Rob plays back to do it. I do it.
Well, first of all, it's a much more complicated story than that. Uh, we had a we had a uh, curriculum that was started around 1980, which I was one of the authors of. Uh, the curriculum uh, was a four four class, 15 hours per class, hours per week, okay, class. Uh, each of which was about had an idea in it about a language for engineering. The language is something much more general than something like the word scheme or C or anything. Okay? So languages were basically constantly programming. Programming. Another one was sort of electrical circuits. Another one was, um, was signals and systems type stuff. And another one was computer architecture like stuff. Okay? Which are languages in the sense that one of them is about, is about how to do things. Okay? Another is about, is about how, the, how combinations of pieces make bigger pieces that are also familiar. That's what electrical circuits are really the best language in that sense. And then, then the, the, the signal and systems thing was about, about composition of functions and feedback. Okay? And then and, and the computer architecture thing is a bigger picture of all. Okay? About things like balancing loads and stuff like that. Okay? That was a very nice, ran, that ran from 1980 to about about 2000, okay? How written. Uh, and 6001, was, which I, I, I invented, and now we got how on. And so that, that uh, went for, from, from 1980 to 1997. Uh, we, we both became rather uh, tired of it, having done it for that long, although we did other things also. Uh, so we, we sort of quit, to be perfectly honest, in 1997. The, um, the reason, the reason why we thought it was sort of out, out of date at the time, and we did, is that engineering had changed drastically over the, over the period of, say, the 1990s, in a way that was sort of discontinuous. And I'll explain what that was like. In at the beginning of the, of the 1990s, there were still resistors, transistors, capacitors, inductors, right? And you could put them together and make bigger things out of smaller things. And you knew what every one of these things did. That is, there was a very clear description. You got a chip, you got it out of the TTL data book. It had at most 20 pins, and there was a one-page description that was perfect. Okay? By the end of the, 19, uh, of the 1990s, all of a sudden there were 1,000-pin chips with manuals this fat that the person who wrote the manual didn't know it was inside the chip. Okay? And the person who designed the chip didn't know what the manual was going to be. So they were inconsistent, and furthermore, there was a lot of top secret stuff in it that you couldn't find out anyway. Okay? So, so that's, and that's true also of programming. At the beginning of the, uh, of the 1990s, continuing from the past, things were made out of little parts like addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, cons, car cutter, stuff like that. At the end, there were these enormous libraries of things like graphics libraries and this, that, and the other, with thousands of functions written into a, a, a giant manuals. Okay, and so what I discovered around the middle of the 1990s was my students were spending most of their time reading man pages. It was a very different thing from from the kind of programming that we were teaching. So we, what we, what, what I suppose the answer was that it seemed to me that the change in the engineering type that we were doing, that was needed in the future 
with no longer so much pressure on understanding how a bigger thing is made out of smaller things by combining the parts and, and understanding that from the piece of way the parts work and the ways they're put together, how you get something bigger to work. That's an analysis and synthesis view, okay? To one which is more like science. You grab this piece of library and you poke at it. You write programs that poke at it, see what it does, and you say, can I tweak it to do the thing I want? Which is what we do now a lot. Okay, and that was true of the chips as well. So it seemed to me that we had, we had the kind of engineering we were doing, in, it, was, it was, although still important intellectually, it was no longer relevant to the kind of things people needed. Okay? So that, so I suppose uh, Hal and I basically walked into the department head's office on uh, sometime in, in the end of 1997 and said, we quit on this. Okay? Figure out what to do. And for 10 years after that, they couldn't figure out what to do. The department head uh, himself taught the class. This was, uh, this was uh, uh, Grimson, Eric Grimson, very smart guy. But he didn't, his heart wasn't in it because that was his thing. You know, the most important thing you have to do when you get to the leader of class is get the people who teach the class to the people who want to teach that class. Okay, that's, uh, that's their thing. Uh, so uh, committees were formed and committees do their things and so on. And it was determined that the right thing is to worry about essentially I.O. driven type stuff, which is probably true, where you have things where there's sensors and there's action and there's something like little robots and there's, there's, um, uh, the, the, there's uncertainty due to the fact that the motors aren't exactly right, they're not perfect, and so on, they're not well specified. And that's right, so, so there was a, there was a uh, hunting around for some people who might want to put something like that together. People did, uh, and that, that was widely successful. Um, the difficulty with it is that it didn't produce a very coherent structure, like the six double holes, a very coherent structure. In fact, the four, the four collage, of course, in the introduction to electrical and computer science, that we had previously been more coherent. And, and we're still hunting for the right thing now. Like, we don't know what the right thing is. It's not like we have
not even sure you need a meaning of life. However, what I would want to talk about is what the, I think the future might be like uh, hundreds of years from now, and what actually will happen to people and things like that if we survive that long. So, of course, we can't know that the future very much, but uh, uh, but we can surmise things based on what the history has been in the past. One thing that's very important is this idea that things are, someone brought it up, uh, competition, where's the biologist? I'm sorry, Sarah, thank you. Okay, you, you talked about competition and, and survival and things like that, or maybe it was the other person. Maybe the first one. Okay, anyway, uh, the principal force that determines the way things go is, in fact, apparently competition. Much of it is for things like, like uh, economic value, but there's also abstract value and personal power. We consider this fear made hunting much more effective. As a consequence, the amount of without the occasional intervention of modern medicine, especially without the support of modern water, water and sewage disposal systems. The most, probably the most important medical invention of all time is the sewage disposal system. More, that's, the plumber is the... If you've lived past five, it's because your plumber was pretty good. If you live past 30, it's because your dentist is pretty good. And if you live past 90, it's because your mother had the right genes. Okay? But in any case, uh, I want to just say that the, this trend, I think, will continue. So, you know, you think of it this way. The 19th century was the century of applied classical mechanics, where, you know, energy and things like that, you've been tra transportation and communication, and uh, 20th century was about, about atomic physics and therefore uh, things like electronics and, and uh, communication at the, uh, with electronic media, broadcast media, and things like that, computers. We're now nearly at the end of that, okay? We're now at the... Uh, Huh. See, the person who's stuck with a computer, okay, at the end of the electronics revolution, and we're into the age of biology, as far as I can see. Where, uh, but employing information technology, this is this is a big deal. So the application of of what I'm really imagining is that the the 
slowly we're going to the, the prosthetics are going to replace us that we're going to we're going to slow as humans as time goes on more and more parts will become interchangeable and replaceable okay and eventually there's going to be very little left of the biological creature called a human and there's going to be a lot more of the of the electronic stuff okay that's part of us by golly i would love to have a computer algebra chip that fits in my brain because I, I like to deal with differential equations i really love them okay and really unpleasant that i have to actually work these out by hand or use some other computer that mr wolfram made maybe Ugh. okay whatever or ones that i write myself the fact of the matter is that these these are things that are going to happen a few hundred years from now no mathematician is going to be be competitive if they're not if they're not completely full of of the appropriate chips that are in fact provide very fast service for doing complex computations okay think of it that way so that's a pretty impressive world well, of course we already have that to some extent that people have cochlear implants and things like that besides glasses so you know which connections to the neural system is are on its way okay over the next year so i expect this you know, over the next few hundred years to go unabated and in the long run uh, there's not going to be much left of the of the of the biological creature but that's probably a good thing the one thing i really worry about though is who controls this okay as it stands now we're giving the control to the entertainment industry and the advertising industries okay everybody's going to have everybody you know if they if you look at what's going to happen the the normal course of events everybody's got an indwelling boom box in their head i don't want that i want the algebra chip okay and that's, I think, our main job then is to ensure that there's an interesting and intellectual future for our descendants, whatever proportions they are of biological and, phys and electronic. I have a question. Jerry, I do have a question. So, um, as more and more parts become replaced, the process of evolution is not quite the same anymore. It's really about who can afford the better parts. And the part genes versus the part, you know, dollars is uh, balancing out differently. So I'm curious about your view I mean, of extinction. You're saying, oh, the people who don't have all these cool parts are going to go extinct, but they don't have them in their genes. Of course not. Okay, but the thing I really, we've got, our economic world is, is completely screwed up. Okay? Both the communists and the capitalists got it wrong. They attached a value to the work people do. Okay, that's why it's all wrong. Okay, that's why we have a terrible situation when we're replacing people, for example, in most cases. Most of us are going to be replaced for, by mechanical mechanisms to do the work we do. Okay, for almost everything. The hardest thing to replace is the plumber. Okay, because the plumber has to get into small places and be very strong and, and also smart. Okay, so the, 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 but the, the real thing here is humans have intrinsic value and we should be build, figuring that out. We should make a system where people have value independent of the work they do. That's the bug. That was the, the past where we had a, basically a world which was based on, a, on the fact that there wasn't enough stuff for everybody. And that's just not true. So monetizing people rather than the work they do. The way, the, the way they say it is this, okay? The, the, we can make the, the price of goods and services zero because the productivity per person could go to infinite fairly soon. The main problem, the only thing that limits that is energy, and by golly, is a kilowatt per square meter falling on the earth all the time from the sun, okay? We don't have an energy problem. 
and the material stuff is, is easy uh, by, by contrast too. The real problem is that we have a screwed up economic world, which is where we have putting value on the wrong things. Drug Watch and Duty Free Philippines for a drug-free Philippines.